Sammy. And this is the Holistic Heart Podcast, the place for all things therapy and mental health. We know navigating the human experience can be as challenging as it is beautiful. So we wanted to create a space where we can dive deep into self-exploration, normalize the struggle, and hold space for hard topics and conversations. We are so excited to have you join us on this journey. podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm here with Sammy. Hello. And we are talking today about one of my favorite topics. Um, I think Sammy's into it too. I'm just like, love this topic. And we're going to be talking about imagination and, you know, different ways that the imagination is important in mental health and how we understand ourselves and how we understand our own mental health. So that is our super fun topic for today. And I'm really excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I had to take, you know, a lot of convincing to get this to be the the topic of our podcast today. (laughs) (laughs) Which is code for like, not any convincing at all. (laughs) I was like, do you want to do this? Sure. Um, No, but I think I, I am fascinated with the concept of imagination and what I think is, um, will be really great in what we, you and I can each individually and uniquely bring to the conversation about this is that we are, we both have interests in it that are different and it comes from different backgrounds, but also very explicitly, um, kind of are expressed in different ways too. So I think in terms of, um, from my background in expressive arts and everything, I mean, like there's no expressive arts without imagination. And so, I'm just really excited to have this conversation and to see where it goes. <laughs> Me too. Cause when I'm like, you're coming from that place with expressive arts and I think um, creativity in general, right. is so oh. much uh, interconnected with imagination. Um, and also I'm thinking of it from the places of like our unconscious aspects and um, you know, depth psychology stuff. And so um, the imaginal realms and things like that. So We have quite an array of uh, places we can go with this conversation, I feel like today, and I'm excited about that. I feel like maybe a place where I sort of want to start is the difference between, like we were talking, Sammy, before we started, the difference between imaginal Mm -hmm. uh, and imaginary, right? Or like Uh, imagination and imaginary, because often when we hear imagination, we think fictional, made up, untrue, not real, right? Like, um, you know, you think of like an imaginary friend is like a, like, that's like code for like, not really there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And actually imagination. And I would argue even in the, uh, even in the experience of an imaginary friend, you're accessing something very real, actually. Uh, It's not to say that that, you know, friend is like, uh, corporally there, right? Like that's different. But so saying something is, um, existing in an imaginal place in an imaginal realm or an imaginal aspect. It's, I, to me, it means that it's not corporal, like it's not physical, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. That's like the sort of important, uh, what is the differentiation that I think is important Uh. there? 
You know, I, I often think of like as a kid when um, it's references like playing make-believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I heard this, but it's this conversation is making me think of it. So like make-believe can actually like really help to make you believe in yourself by accessing your imagination and what playing into the creativity part of it or the expression, how that can help you to create whatever it is that you're creating. But I loved that like shift to it doesn't have to be something like you're saying that's this tangible, like an imaginary friend. Um, it's a tangible thing or when you're playing make-believe that you're, you know, I don't know, playing in like a fairy forest or something like that, where it's like, yes, these fairies may not be viscerally actually tangibly around you, but when you can like help to make yourself believe in something that you can create, there's something so um, innately innately tangible and energetically tangible there that I think it like speaks to the differentiation. I got a little tangential there, but I think it's like, um, allowing yourself to embrace the differences that both of these kind of, um, concepts, the concept between imagination and imaginary, but that it's not fake. I think that's a big thing is that like, it can feel like this is fake. It's made up. It's not real. Right. Yeah. And it's like what you, what I, what comes to mind when I hear what you're describing is like seeing possibilities, seeing beyond what is actually there to what also could be there in a really enriching way. Right. Like, um, you know, that's design, that's engineering. That's like, you know, like when we look, that's innovation, right. When, when an engineer looks at, uh, you know, like a space where a bridge is going to go, they're using imagination to see something that's not physically there. And sometimes we have the ability to bring those things into the physical world, like building a bridge and creating the you know, map for that, the blueprint for that. And sometimes it's real because it's an energy in us. And it's not something that we have to create a physical representation of in the world, but it's part of our experience of ourselves or the world around us. And so it's real in that way. And I think that's like a really beautiful thing that we can Mm -hmm. access this, this potential that we all have to see beyond what is already present to what could be, or what is present perhaps um, in a different layer of experience, not necessarily only in the physical layer, right? Yes, absolutely. When I love that thinking, when I, when I think of imagination, I think of there's like this, like the child, like wonder that you experience. And it seems like accessing your imagination is a lot more normalized and encouraged during childhood than it is, um, during even adolescence and certainly adulthood. Yeah. And I think it's super important. Like language comes into play here, I think, because often, again, we mistake, or I'm I'm making a generalization and a speculation, but I think often people mistake childlike for childish. Like this is like you're being, um, you know, like it's infantilizing, right? Like it's making you feel um, like they're being immature or um, versus like childlike to me calls in like wonder and awe and curiosity and innocence, right? And there's like this essence of being open to possibility, this like being able to see and imagine beyond. And I, I think it's important what you're describing there, Sammy, of like, it's 
nurtured in childhood. It's like encouraged. And then as we get older, it's like some kind of weird sociocultural thing happens where like it's it's become what what was nurtured and encouraged becomes like childish and not um you know not responsible or um, like you're being you know like not mature or something um Mm -hmm. as an adult to embrace those qualities and so I think because of that we end up losing touch with this really essential part of us as humans like this is part of what being human is is having this access this to imagination you know that is I would speculate that's one of the things that makes us different from other animals, right? I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe dogs uh, or dolphins imagine things. <laughs> like, I know my dog dreams, I think, but uh, so who knows, maybe they are accessing imagination too, but our unique ability to touch that realm and to express it, to bring it into our reality um, in various ways, I think is really unique and also incredibly enriching if we allow it and normalize it in ways that it unfortunately has been sort of stigmatized for adults to engage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like that energy of play mm-hmm. that we're not as adults oftentimes, again, this is very much an overgeneralization, but that it's not something, even, even if it's like, it's not explicitly something that we're encouraged to do. Maybe there's different things where it's like, yeah, do this, have fun, but to actually play and and to get into the energy of play, um, you you had spoken to this earlier about like how this is very much speaking to the energy of experiences too. To get into the energy of play is inherently, I think, getting into that like imagination, um, like accessing the imagination. So even if it's not imaginary play, let's say, it's allowing you to access those parts of yourself. And that's what I think is important in normalizing the connection with that. And for me, that's where I think like expression, creativity is like the bridge between those things. And so the reason I'm like bringing up play explicitly is because I think there is such, they go so hand in hand in accessing each other, even because to access play, the energy of that, we're accessing that, um, that, like you said, that childlike, not childish energy that lives within us all. And And a part of that and a very important element of that is our imagination. Yeah. And we were, um, you know, I know we did a couple episodes ago where we talked with Lauren about intuition. Lauren led like a group thing for our team recently on intuition and um, imagination is the vehicle of intuition. Like how we connect with that inner knowing, how we know what we know is because we ride our imagination into that place, right? Like we can, you know, feel in, sense in, see, know, hear uh, from a place of like imaginal access, right? Like it's this, um, it's what you're accessing when you go into guided meditations and images arise, right? Like those are imaginal images. That's an imaginal realm. Um, And often, I don't know, I know that you uh, lead like guided imagery and stuff with your clients also, Sammy, so you might have this experience as well, but often when I lead clients with any kind of imagery um, or hypnosis type stuff or anything like that, um, I often get asked the question, like, did I, how do I know I didn't just make it up, right? Like, and my answer to that is like, 
who cares? Like, <laughs> who cares if you yeah. did? What does that mean even, right? Like where it, no matter where it came from, it came from some aspect of you, right? So it's like where something in you brought that to the surface, whether it was your unconscious, whether it was a, a conscious wish uh, that you would like to be true, right? Like, but it didn't come from nowhere. It came from you, right? Like it came from somewhere in you and it came from accessing this imaginal place or this imaginal plane, if you will, but it's yours and it gives you, so it's like nothing that comes up for you in an internal inquiry is unreal, right? Like, and so like, I think a lot of people want to feel like something is quote unquote, like objectively true. And like, how can I prove that this was like an insight that just like flash came to me maybe. Um, and it's like, we can't prove that. And, um, my thought would be, why do we have to, right? Like what would the value of that be? Um, because it's really just as wonderful to know that it came from somewhere deep inside yourself, some kind of deep inner knowing or connection that you have with something either deep within you or bigger than you or on an energetic level that you're not super conscious of. Right. And that, that doesn't mean that it's, it impacts the legitimacy of why or how, you know, something or the, the power behind the insight that that could really, really create for you. Mm -hmm. So what I'm really hearing from what you're saying too, is that like imagination, that imaginal plane, just because it's imaginal doesn't delegitimize what you can get from it. And like what you said, like, I hear that oftentimes too. And I've even experienced that myself. Like, well, I just like made it up. First of all, I want to say, look around you right now. The things that you see around you, someone had to just make up make at up. some point, <laughs> yeah. right? And even if it's, it was inspired by other things that other people made up and created and everything, it's like, I like to challenge it, those thoughts in that way too, where it's like, okay, well, why is making something up a bad thing? And I think it's like, that starts to go into that. Is it a lie? Is it untruthful kind of thing? But it's like, that's where it's such an important thing to explore for yourself and why I think this is actually such an um like applicable theme to talk about in the realm of mental health because it's it is if you kind of look at from a more societal perspective we do tend to delegitimize things when it's imaginal mm-hmm. and there's not something concretized or you know objective about it and that can become so limiting especially when you talk about the journey of self discovery and personal growth and healing mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it's so normalized to look to the outer. And that's something that we've talked about a lot. Right. And, and the imaginal and imagination is how we access the inner. Right. And like, that's how we tour the inner landscape. Like when you want to like get to know you, you're riding the vehicle of imagination to that place of like, Hey, what's it like in here? What do I have access to internally that is just as valuable not more valuable necessarily but just as valuable as the things that I have access to on the outside and and not necessarily um to your point Sammy not necessarily distinct from right because I can get an insight or an inspiration inspiration um (laughs) for something and and then make it manifest in my outer reality I can create an image that represents it or do a movement or create a structure of some kind, right? Like, um, 
so the outer and the inner play together. They're not uh, an either or kind of thing or mutually exclusive by any means. But you, I think to your point about the importance of this topic in mental health, it's like, this is how we go in. Mm-hmm. Like that, mm-hmm. that's why it's so important. We've internalized these messages like that imaginal or imagination are pretend it's for kids. It's not real. Uh, it's silly maybe. And in that way, we've been conditioned not to look inside ourselves or not to trust what we see when we go inside ourselves, because we've been taught that that's less valuable in some way or less right. able to be trusted. And yeah. I think that that is really unfortunate because I think it's injurious and it stops us from being able to access a real depth within ourselves. Mm -hmm. When there are like worlds to be discovered through this. I mean, I think of like a world outside of the world that we know um, to be true that I have found myself escaping to a lot throughout my life is Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And I think of like, it's a whole world that was literally constructed from one person's imagination and inspired by these objective realities around us, but that we can, I, I use that as an example, because it's like, there are actually like, we exist within a world of other people's imaginations as well mm-hmm. and yeah. can be inspired by those and can then gain our own insight and, and access to our own imagination. And I love what you said that like, um, turning inwards through that inspiration and it's like allowing yourself to just delve into these elements of yourself can a, I want to normalize, be scary. I think another part of it is like, it feels unreal. So this is scary. What is this potential? As much as it can feel so inspiring, like, oh, we want to access your potential sometimes. And this goes into shadow work, I think is like, yeah, but like, what's, I don't really know if I want to know what my potential is here. (laughs) Like, let's keep that door closed. (laughs) Thank you. And let's not say we did. Yeah, really. (laughs) Someone else can take that journey. Um, but that's also the empowerment piece of like, you don't, you can keep that door closed. You can go inside and you can turn inward and you can decide, you know what, that door in my imaginal, like uh, it, the image of that door to me is like got spider webs and it's a little spooky looking and it's dark and I don't know. And that might feel intriguing. That would feel intriguing for someone like me. I'd be like, what's that? Um, and I would want to go do it. And someone else might look at an image like that might be like, mm, not right now. Right. Like right. And mm-hmm. totally fine because you are, um, you're the one you have choice in that, in that way, you know, like you can turn inward and see what you see and assess the situation and, right. And, um, one of the beautiful things about imaginal aspects is that they shift and that we can shift them, um, with intention. And we can also have the intention to just receive, right. We can go into, um, receptive places where we're just getting, we're asking ourselves for impressions. Like we're trying to just sort of go inward and look around and see what we see. Um, But so to make a, like a concrete example of this, I'm sure many of our listeners have done, and you and I, I know have done guided meditations that start off with something like, imagine yourself in a like 
comfortable place in nature, right? Like, ha- like that's m- many, many guided meditations yes. that way, yeah. right? And part of that is because nature is so supportive and has its own uh, beautiful elements to it. But there's a lead, right? So you're in nature, but your imagination is going to fill in the blanks there. So I might imagine myself in like an enchanted forest kind of uh, arena, right? Like, and Sammy might experience herself somewhere else. Like what comes to mind for you, Sammy, when I say a place in nature? Um, I thought of being next to a Creek, but in the mountains. Ah, perfect. See, so like, so it's like now we're both, we've got this similar directive, right? Like we're in a comfortable place in nature, but my imagination and Sammy's imagination filled that in differently for each of us. And there's something relevant about our own psyche in the images that arose there. Right. And it's not necessarily to say that we have to like dissect and, you know, like interpret every, you know, aspect of everything and that everything's about analysis because that's going back to the left brain. Right. Right. Helpful to sometimes you know, just reflect and sit with, hmm, that's curious. I wonder why that came up for me. Um, but there is, there's image, there are images there, right? Like mountains are powerful symbolism. So is, so, so is water. So are, so is a forest, right? Like, so it's like, oh, I wonder what aspect of me is being expressed through this image that arose when I received this prompt to, you know, bring this image to mind kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of, I was just thinking of Alice in Wonderland the whole time before you even said the curiouser thing, but I immediately was thinking of like curiouser and curiouser. And to me, it's like, I often say like in other like contexts, we may be taught to like not ask questions. And I always say like, no, like ask all the questions, but it doesn't have to be when we hear that. I think a lot of times we hear doubt in the questioning. And this is like, be curious. There's that inquiry. And so not like even this isn't necessarily from a doubtful perspective, but like you said, like I immediately was like, hmm, I wonder why I picked mountains in a stream. Like I, and like, I did, did I pick it? No, it just popped into my head. My wonder. And it's like wonder. You don't have to find the answers in that. It can just be to me when you're trying to find, or like the doubtful, like why, what's wrong? What, why would that be coming up or something like that? Um, it can be limiting versus the wonder is just that open container of possibility, which to me is like what Alice in Wonderland. And I will be honest with you. I don't think I ever made the connection until I was thinking of that. And I was like, Oh, look at that. But it's just like, I think that's a really great kind of example of just being open to not having to make quote unquote sense of things also in that moment, because I find that experiences like that, I don't know, a week later, uh, a day later, can, you can understand why something may have come up and not, not even in like a, a really explicit um, answer to the why, but this is like why I needed this to come up or, oh, I'm getting insight from this experience that I had through this one prompt. And maybe you guys are having this experience right now as a listener from Kristen's one prompt of imagine yourself in nature, you know, in a space that feels supportive. Yeah, a side, a small side tangent that I absolutely love, Alice in Wonderland. It's like one of my favorites. I know you know. Yes. And I always joke that I have my very own white rabbit. Um, so, and Benson is, he's here, he's here right now. Um, but yeah, this is, it's such an, and immediately it engages you 
with, if you let it, if you allow it, because there's certainly the um, sort of cynical, pessimistic view we could take of like, oh, you must have gone to the mountains a lot or like, right. whatever, right? Like, that's why you're just remembering something. And like, even that is like, okay, well, why did you, you've been a lot of places right? that exactly. particular thing, right? Like, and so... Mm-hmm. Still, to me, uh, it's not easy to dismiss these, like the value of these things yeah. as they come up and just being able to connect with like, huh, there's this image living inside of me. There's many, right? Like, and it just came to the surface for a minute and I got to engage with it. And that's an aspect of something within me as well. And, you know, that's where we can get into like symbolism, which I feel like could and probably will be its own podcast episode. Symbolism <laughs> is another one of my favorites. Um, but it can be like, okay, so, you know, and again, not that we need to move into an interpretive place at all by any means, but do you, you know, do you have the strength of a mountain? Are you looking for that? You know, like, is that something that would be a resource that would be valuable to you in that moment to maybe you need to like really stand your ground in something and not be movable and so this image came to you of like how nature can embody that energy and be really strong and and stand tall right or maybe it's just beauty and maybe it just felt really rich and like nurturing for you to feel yourself in that space because it felt safe um or supportive or nurturing in some way that's that and I think that that is often underplayed when we talk about mental health is inner resources, like the access that we have to Mm -hmm. like, if I imagine myself, um, you know, this is like so cliche for me, but like, if, if I can't get to a library or a bookstore or something, (laughs) like I love those places, like that just feels like comfort to me. If I can't go there physically and I imagine myself like surrounded by books or um, somewhere that feels like magical in nature and has to do with like knowledge that feels really like supportive to me to just like be able to imagine that experience or imagine myself interacting with an animal of some kind or you know like seeing what comes up when I go move inward um, all of those things are things that we have access to where we are all the time and the impacts that that can have on our mood, on our emotional well-being, on our mental well-being is significant. And I think also often really underplayed, like not talked about. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think all of this is not talked about enough, (laughs) but I, I especially think that because even as you're talking, I'm thinking of like, um, what you were referring to earlier in terms of like guided meditation or guided imagery. But when we hear guided, that inherently means that someone else is doing it. Even if you did a recording for yourself and it's you doing it Mm -hmm. versus knowing that at any point in time, you have this inner resource. And I remember, um, a couple of summers ago, you and Kara and I did kind of a day exploring the inner resource and it's making me think of that and our discussions around that. And I think it's like those discussions, not even thinking about that when we were discussing, talking about imagination today, but it incorporates the the unconscious. It incorporates visceral experience within your somatic um, awareness. It incorporates 
expression and creativity, all of those things. And that, that uniquely manifests for each and every one of us. And it's such a strength to be able to say, I can turn inward and have this at any point in time. And I think it, it, it can be really helpful to spend time, um, when you're not in those moments to identify like what you just said, like, um, a bookstore, I thought of a thrift store when you said that it's very much a place that I find comfort and just like, Oh, like, I love this. And, and so when you said that though, I thought of the thrift store and could feel that feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. And this is something that they do with like athletes. And I think even, um, like different, uh, first responders, like they're like, they do like visualization practices, yeah. right? Like, because yeah. they do, it, it is, it does become a felt sense in your body. When you imagine something, you it changes your physiology around it, right? Yeah. You can um, start to feel warmer if you imagine the sun beating down on you. And it's a really interesting mm-hmm. phenomenon. So there's that like mind, body, spirit connection again, like all of this holistic interconnection and, and the impact that that can have on your well-being. And like yeah. that there's so much available to us when we turn inward. Um, and to me, it's a little sad because we're so often encouraged to only turn outward and look for supports, which of course is important and valuable in the outer environment, but we have a lot of resource and a lot of supports that we can access more readily, right? Like much more readily Mm -hmm. within us as well. And so I think that is just a really, really important part of understanding the role of imagination in mental health in understanding why we're, why it's even important to talk about. Um, and I also think of, and this sort of runs into your, um, your, um, aspect of expression and expressive arts also Sammy, but I think of like depth psychology teaches like the soul speaks in images, right? Like that there's the language of the soul, or if you wanted to say another way of describing that as like the universal language is image, right? Like that some, the deepest aspect of you or the highest aspect of you or however you want to frame it, it's, it's not, it doesn't have language, right? Like, because that's uh, specific to your geographical location, right? And your culture, right it, the image is the universal language. And so that's the language of the soul and image is the root of imagination and imaginal, right? And so like, we're coming from this place of like something deep or high or wherever inside of me mm-hmm. is speaking through these images. Um, and I think that lends itself so beautifully to the work that you do, Sammy, with expressive arts, where it's like, and now that this image has arisen, I'm going to give it form, I'm going to bring it into the world, I'm going to give it expression. So I think that is a very sacred act in a lot of ways, because although it can look very, I know mine have looked very messy, and I might not describe uh, the product of any of those experiences as looking particularly sacred, the making of it is actually an incredibly um, sacred experience. Oh, absolutely. I think that can be, I mean, the whole process of the creation of it is so sacred, but I love, I love that journey that that takes you on. And obviously, you know, I love that, but, um, 
I think it does speak to like that expressive part. And um, to me, I'm, I'm hearing in that too, sometimes the challenge that can come up from what it feels like to have an internal image that you've experienced and then creating some kind of tangibility to that by whatever it is, whether you're creating movement or you're creating um, an actual image of a picture with like, you know, a pencil or something like that. But noticing what your response is to each of those things. And the fact that when you're like stepping into that place of wonder, that is the place of being able to really access that information, that insight and that inner resource. And that it's like accessing the inner resource through the inner resource. That makes sense. (laughs) And I want to just add a small caveat for anyone who's listening and, and wanting to access their inner resources. Um, because I'm talking about it in the language of image, sometimes I can, it's, it sounds, I understand that it sounds visual, um, like, it, and it, it is, and also it's not the only way that we access. So sometimes that imaginal experience is it, like sound, like you have like this, you feel like you can hear something or, um, you feel like you just know something. So not everyone is super oriented. And this has to do with um, like our processing styles, right? Like, but so not everyone is super oriented to visual. um, Although for many people, visual is their primary. There's also, we take in information in lots of different ways, including internally. So taking in that internal environment can be done not just through visual, but also through auditory or sensory, like in your body or or thoughts, like, oh, just like a sense of knowing. And one of the ways that you can sort of um, try to tease out what yours might be, if you are uh, up to that or you are interested, um, neuro-linguistic programming teaches this actually, is like, listen to your language. And so if you're the kind of person that says, often says like, I think, then it might be more of a knowing if you're often find yourself saying, oh, I see where you're coming from, or I see what you mean. That's more of a visual orientation or like, oh, I'm feeling right. Mm -hmm. Like then that's more a sentient, like in your body. Um, So there's lots of like, or like, I hear you, you know, so there's little giveaways that we have uh, that can help us learn what our primary orientation for interpreting information might be, um, usually we have two to three that are primary. Yeah. Yes. I think that that (laughs) is a really great resource actually. And I'm like, as you're saying this, I'm like, what do I normally say? (laughs) I'm interested now to kind of explore that. Yeah. Check that out and then ride that wave inward. Like, so, okay. What am I, if you're the kind of person that says I feel often, then what do you feel when you close your eyes? Um, what comes up in your body, you know, and see what you can learn about yourself that way. Yeah. To me that it's like, this is a portal into that inner resource, Mm -hmm. that inner guidance and just part of our inner resources, self-awareness, getting to know yourself more and knowing the way that you understand and perceive the world around you and within you. Yeah. And I personally, um, you know, feel like there, there is an unconscious aspect of ourselves. I feel like that's pretty well established. I also really believe that there's a collective unconscious, um, like Jung described in his work, 
where there's like sort of universal truths and symbols and things that happen for all humans um, or that we all have access to in a broader way. And so also the imagination becomes a portal to those things as well, right? Like we're riding that wave inward to access our own unconscious contents and the contents of the collective unconscious and humanity um, and these different really powerful aspects of the human psyche Mm -hmm. that I think have a real lot to offer when we're talking about um, our own sense of meaning and purpose and and feeling connected to ourselves and to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it's so important to explore each of these elements, I think individually, but also understanding within your own experience, the collective, but also the external collective experience as well. Yeah. So I feel like we made a good case for imagination today. I feel like we did too. (laughs) Not that I needed it. I'm like fully on board the like imagination fan. Very pro imagination over here (laughs) in holistic heartland. (laughs) Very much so. Um, And if you're interested in working with imagination, I think my one obvious clearly expressive arts uh expressive mm-hmm. creative yep. arts in any way um and also I think guided inquiry any kind of guided mm-hmm. inward meditation if you're not for sure where to start on your own and you feel like you need a little bit of of directive I think that can be a helpful way to move toward inner images as well yeah I agree and walking through the world with curiosity and wonder that childlike place that's where uh, that's where we open up that energy to be able to go inside in that way. Yeah. Well, if you notice yourself like asking those questions in that doubtful or kind of like heavy way, notice what it's like to, to ask yourself the question, but in like through the lens of wonder and curiosity, like you're saying. And I think even if you do both of those things, mm-hmm. the heaviness and the lighter, or however you experience that to be, and just notice what it feels like, notice in your body what that feels like, or what you see, or hear, or anything else. Yeah. So lots of invitation <laughs> with mm-hmm. imagination, which I think is so fun. So yes. thank you, Sammy, for talking to me about this, one of, of my favorite topics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we will talk to everybody in our next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.